This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous at the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each episode, we have one goal in mind, to share experiences, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Masters in Travel is a podcast, community, and academy for travel advisors by travel advisors, and I'm so glad to have you join the conversation. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. ASTA, the American Society of Travel Advisors, is advocating for and working on behalf of travel advisors and the travel industry at large every day. Their mission is to facilitate the business of selling travel through effective representation, shared knowledge, and the enhancement of professionalism. Most likely, you've already enjoyed my conversation with Genevieve Strand, the Director of Advocacy at ASTA, who gave us a tremendous peek behind the curtain to learn more about the day-to-day of the ASTA Advocacy team. And if you haven't, go back and find the bonus episode that was released at the end of August. Today, I am joined by two super fans of ASTA. Jen Lee is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Travel Planners International. Jen, welcome back. Thank you, Whitney. I'm excited for this one. And Jennifer Wilson-Budajay, co-president of Valerie Wilson Travel, a frosh company. Jennifer, I am thrilled to have you join us today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm super excited to join the two powerhouses. Let's dive right into this mission, what it means to the individual travel advisor, and discuss how the efforts of ASTA in Washington affect advisors each year, often in ways, as I discovered on the previous episode with Genevieve, in ways that we likely aren't aware of. So... Jennifer, I'm going to go to you first. If a travel advisor or if anyone, honestly, even outside of the industry asked you, who is ASTA? And if a travel advisor specifically asks, who are they and why should I engage with this organization? What's your elevator pitch to the average travel advisor? I am so glad you asked that question because ASTA has gone through a rebirth. However, people still don't know what it is. Very simply, it's your trade organization. The American Society of Travel Advisors. And what we've learned through this pandemic, it's not just for advisors, it's for suppliers, it's for clients. And we need to educate what ASTA actually is, what we do, and how people can get involved. So I am super excited to be able to share with you that a lot of people don't know what a trade association is. And as part of my encouraging someone to participate, we have to educate them first, then we have to get them engaged. And engagement can be in many different ways. And I'm sure Jen and I will be able to walk through that. But quite simply, it's your venue to be heard and it's your venue to make a difference. Oh, I love that. That is probably the simplest but most effective definition I've heard of your venue to be heard and your venue to make a difference. That's that's what I, I try to that. do. Make it simple. <laughs> Uh, Jen, what would you say if, I mean, although Jennifer's answer was, was flawless, would you add anything to an elevator pitch or, you know, if a new travel advisor joining your organization came in and just said like, what, what's this ASTA thing? What do I, what do I need to know about this? (laughs) What is this ASTA thing? Well, my answer really depends on who I'm speaking to. If I'm speaking, and I'm going to take the route of an advisor who's in the industry already that has not joined. You know, one of the shocking statistics that I hear over and over again, and I'm shocked by is there's only 4,000 ASTA members, travel advisors that are ASTA members out of the 40,000 travel advisors that are out there curating experience. Wow. for the consumer. It's a very small amount. So 
when I'm talking to a current travel advisor, I usually start out with something like, you know how we talk about enhancing the professionalism of the travel advisor community and showing the value of this as being a true profession, but we suffer from the lack of industry standards, expectations, and representation. Um, And I just wrote this out because it's so important. ASTA is the only professional trade association whose business it is to promote and uh, defend, educate, and represent the entire travel industry. They actively promote the use of a travel advisor in national media, and they protect the overall health of the travel agency community through the advocacy efforts, both local, state, and federal governments. Your dues go to support these efforts, as well as provide you access to critical resources and tools to keep your business safe and healthy, give you valued connections with other professionals and travel leads from ASTA's lead generation directory. Very long answer, but I think what is missing is that what's in it for me statement Mm -hmm. to the travel advisor. Mm -hmm. People like Jen and I, Jennifer and I, we understand it because we're involved. We're there in Washington. We're on the conference calls. We're at the events. We're at the meetings. We understand what bills are sitting on the floor that could absolutely decimate the travel advisor community. But most of the advisors out there are really looking for the what's in it for me. And I think that's where we have a really big opportunity. If only 10% of the advisor community out there is part of ASTA, we have an opportunity. I'm so glad that you shared that statistic because I I didn't know that, but in thinking about it, it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. because when I got started, nobody around me, let me back up, no travel advisors around me were talking about ASTA. They weren't talking about their membership with ASTA. They weren't talking about their engagement with ASTA. And so I feel like there's also kind of this peer group of we are so influenced by other by our friends, but also by the professionals around us. And if I had started my business as a travel advisor and then immediately was surrounded by other advisors who were talking about asked all the time, that would have completely changed my early on engagement, right? As opposed to it taking me five or six years to really kind of looking into more information and finding out more and then finally joining. So, But it's never too late. And that's the it's never too late. None of us really knew what we were jumping into, and it's an evolution. But I think this this global pandemic has allowed us to showcase the importance of ASTA more so than ever. So never too late. Don't look back. Can't change the past. We can only change the future. Yes, yes. And my next thought when you share that statistic is, oh my gosh, what they are able to accomplish with the few with such a small percentage of advisors engaged, like what would they be able to accomplish if we got to 20 or 30%? Like that was my immediate thought, knowing that everything that they do is based on our support. So I think we have a lot to dive into. This is going to be an exciting one. So I know that you are both, you both mentioned how engaged and active you are with ASTA right now and how that is, that provides a sense of a peek behind the scenes, knowing exactly what bills are on the floor, knowing exactly why it's important and what's going on. So Jennifer, will you describe to us your current engagement with ASTA and how did it start for you? Was it a day one thing or did it also take you a little bit into your career path in the travel industry to kind of learn about and really appreciate ASTA's efforts? Absolutely. My my family business, Valerie Wilson Travel, is 40 years old, so we've been an ASTA member for 40 years. With that said, we paid our dues, they had our name, but there wasn't a lot of engagement. 
I had my arm twisted several times over the decades, I would say, to get involved. I was like, mm, that's my grandmother's Asta. And that was a perception out there. We had to change it. And I would say there was no great plan. There was no strategic plan for me to get involved from an advocacy side. I didn't even know it was one of my strengths, quite honestly. So I use this as an example for anybody to get engaged. I actually met with Asta at Virtuoso Travel Week, so consortiums are very important. I then was asked to be a speaker at Finian Business Summit. I was like, oh my gosh, why can't I be a speaker? What do I know more than somebody else? Don't doubt yourself. Then fees became really popular, and I did an article on fees and why it's important to be compensated for what you do, and that looked like rocket science. And I was like, oh my Lord. Anyway, as I worked my way up, Paul Rudin, who was formerly in Evan's role and an icon in the industry, asked me to meet with Secretary LaHood, Secretary of Transportation. And I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? So I went to DC with four or five other executives. And I was the only woman in the room other than his assistant. So Secretary LaHood remembered my name. And he's okay, Jopper, tell me why this is important. And I realized how I could change and make a difference just by telling our story. And this was with ancillary fees at the time. And then I, I went to Ledge Day and I sat next to John Haskins, who's an icon of the Midwest chapter. And the next thing I know, I was like speaking at AGC on women are breaking the glass ceiling. And I got involved with the CAC, or World of Acronyms, and the Corporate Advisory Council. And then I was secretary, vice chair, and chair. And again, I'm going to sound like I don't have a plan, but I didn't know based on that role that I actually sat on the national board. And I was like, yikes, I am way too involved. <laughs> but during that period of time, we changed from agent to advisor and rebranded the logo. And we got Zane on board a little before that and really professionalized. And the next thing I know, my passion point really is ASCAPAC. And it's our government affairs committee it's that we do have a strong trade association, but we can't do all the things Jen just talked about without a PAC. Because the PAC is the money. And unfortunately, or fortunately, you have to have a seat at the table. And to have a seat at the table and tell your story, you need money to do so. We just came off ASTA's annual global convention, ABC, in Chicago. And in the beginning, when I started as co-chair, it has nothing to do with me as a leadership role. But Chris Settlemeyer and I are just, my co-chair of ASTA PAC and government affairs, are so blessed that we started collecting $40,000 a year a few years ago, and then we doubled and tripled, and I'm a big one for stretch goals. But on the, the final dinner advocacy night this year in August 2021, we raised over $540,000 in one night. And this was the ecosystem of suppliers and partners and clients and TMCs, and the sky's the limit. Long answer, I had no plan. I just loved my industry and got involved, and one thing led to another. And anybody listening to you and us right now can do absolutely the same thing. And I'm happy to help mentor and guide. I really love that type of journey that you just get involved little by little. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. And you just kind of take it step by step, right? I really love that. Yikes, how am I up here? So what <laughs> how did I get to this point? <laughs> and when you look back, you you see that it, it was all sequential and it did kind of make sense. But suddenly you're like, how am I in Washington, D.C. <laughs> sitting in front of these people right now? That's kind of crazy. Exactly. But it's important because we actually are employers and we're constituents and we have a story to tell and we make it real. We, we are able to have sound bites and snippets that they remember when they're going to go in and vote on something. And they're like, oh, that crazy lady, Jen, who does business in multiple states, who said travels advisors are advocates and are, it's good for the consumer. 
really simple at the end of the day. You just yeah. have to speak up. <laughs> so do you remember approximately what year it was when you went and you were the only woman at the, in, at the event? Secretary LaHood, I would say, was, I can Google it while we're talking. I want to say at least eight to 10 years ago. Eight to 10 years ago. And what does it look like now in terms of the, the gender ratio mix? I'm just curious. A little better. The national board has gotten much better. CAC definitely has gotten better. But when you have women executives in the C-level suite, a lot of them get nervous and don't think they belong there. I haven't had the opportunity to speak to Mayor Pete yet. I hope I do. We need engagement from everybody is where I would start. Jen, yes. tell us your story. How did your journey with ASA, how did it start with you and, and how's it going? I'm only, it's going great. Are you kidding me? I got a chance to meet Jennifer wilson Mutage. Are you kidding me? She's like my <laughs> mentor. We're like two peas in a pod. I showed up. <laughs> Jen at, and Jen. Jen and Jen. I showed up at the ASTA Corporate Advisory Council meeting absolutely knowing nothing. It was just that TPI, Travel Planners, had been a member and a premium business member for years. And they were like, oh yeah, you got to go to this meeting. And I'm sure Jen, Jen remembers this, but I was like, what are we doing here? But because <laughs> of my love of entrepreneurs, I was mortified that we had such a fantastic resource for our advisors and that more advisors weren't part of it, number one. They kept walking around going, well, do I get any discounts? Like the what's in it for me was constant. And then when I went on ledge day and I grew up in politics, so I understand how that world works. And when I went there, the number of legislators that did not realize travel advisors still existed, travel agencies were still out there, that we represent the sales and support arm of 10% of the United States gross national product is in travel. I just got more and more feisty and passionate for those that know me. I'm a pretty passionate person about making sure that everyone gets involved. And Jen, you can remember from five years ago when we had Ask the Ledge Day, how many people were in the room. And now five years later, over 300 people coming from every state, representatives, advisors and agency owners and travel partners coming to, to walk Capitol Hill. But there's it's so much more than just the advocacy side, even though without the advocacy, we would not have an industry that is profitable. We don't, have, we don't stand a chance of being profitable without the advocacy based on what some of the government officials think were, would be a good idea because they don't know. So, I mean, we could talk all day just about the advocacy side to it. Okay. I'm going to go off script here just for a second because the what's in it for me question kind of bothers me. Yeah. Because I, there has to be a what's in it for me for every situation that we that we encounter in life with any service provider, with any company. And I completely agree with that. But when we flip the script and when we talk about us as a travel advisor and when clients come to us and say, what's in it for me? What, what do I get if I work with you? Can you get the cheapest price? Do I get a free breakfast? We get really annoyed by this. Most of us do, mm -hmm. as we should, because we are true professionals and we are experts at what we do. And yes, there is a huge value proposition to offer clients. That's not usually what we should be leading with. That is not our first response. The free breakfast should be the cherry on top that is kind of a side note, right? Mm -hmm. Our experience, our expertise, and our professionalism should really be leading the conversation. So how can we flip that back to ASTA and say, Yes, there might be a discount or a service in it for you. There might be some lead generation. There might be, I mean, I was able to reach out to and, and find the contact information for a travel lawyer by joining ASTA. And that made my 
journey of finding who should I reach out to and who should I work with a whole lot easier because knowing that they were a part of ASTA, there was a direct phone number and a direct email, and then it just felt easy, right? It wasn't like me spending a lot of time doing research and asking around. So the what's in it for me should be the cherry on top, right? The the All of the things that come along with ASTA. But how do we talk about ASTA in a way that is not just about the discounts and the deals and the, you know. Right. Jennifer, do you mind if I jump in first on this one? Please. Go ahead. Because Whitney, you and I talked about this in a previous podcast. It goes down to how travel advisors and agency owners perceive their role. Okay. Because we are not a regulated industry where you have to have a license and the barrier to entry is relatively low, comparatively speaking to maybe some other professions, is it possible that part of this is changing that perception that this is a business that you've launched? Now, Jennifer comes from a different type of business than who I serve, but I serve individuals who are launching their own little, their own little solopreneur journey. If they don't come to the table saying this is a profession, right, then doesn't matter what you say the association does for you. You're not looking at it as a true mm-hmm. profession. So it, it, it starts with, you know, how everyone talks about how we want to bring professionalism to the travel industry, to the travel advisor community. Belonging to your association is part of that professionalism because you're taking all the classes. You understand that it's a commitment to the association that protects the industry as a whole, the health and welfare of the industry as a whole. So to me, it starts with, we have to look at this as an actual profession. You're launching a business like a realtor, like a lawyer, like an accountant, like any other service provider, financial advisor. And of course, you belong to the association because they're there to represent you in a variety of different aspects, both consumer related as well as on the Hill. So this is our fault. This is how I look at it. It Not Asta's fault. This is our industry's fault. And it's our opportunity to change. And I agree with everything you said, Jen, because if you look like the re- at, at the restaurant association, my goodness, they did a phenomenal job through the pandemic. They were pretty hardly hit, but I would say probably not as bad as our industry because they were able to do outside dining, grab and go, all sorts of things. Whereas we as an industry, flight lift was literally stopped for yep. the better part of 18 months at the same levels they were before. And yes, TSA numbers are going up and domestic is coming back, but selling domestic hotels is not a business opportunity that's viable long-term. It's a short-term fix. So I look at it and it's always great to have someone to emulate. But like the Restaurant Association, they're on the news. They're telling the story. They have a consistent message, speaking in one unified voice, educating on the Hill, local representation and federal representation. And I think ASTA's getting there. But what we need, it goes back to what Jen said, We need to consider this a a viable profession. We need you to participate and want to join, not just pay your dues, but then join. And you have to speak up because what we're seeing is the more people that come together, the more opportunity we have to educate and become a resource on the Hill to actually get things changed. So I would say the cherry on top for most businesses in travel and tourism right now are the fact that we got travel companies, TMCs, travel agencies, travel advisors into PPP1 and PPP2 and into ERTCs. And I know I sound like a list of acronyms, but without being attached to these bills, a lot of the companies that we know and love and our clients need and our suppliers rely on wouldn't have made it. So we can't rest on those laurels. 
and we have to continue to talk about what's coming up next, and I'll tee it up for the future, like the SAVE Act. But we need to find a PAC and a trade association that's similar to ours. Jen mentioned real estate brokers, restaurants. We have to shift the way we think. It's not about getting a discount. It's not about getting that breakfast. It's having elected officials, I'm going to say it again, elected officials recognizing our business value. And Jen, I think also, sorry, Whitney, Jen and I are going to take this over, but Mm -hmm. also a big difference with the Restaurant Association and with travel advisors is a lot of the travel advisors and agency owners are not visible right? Like a restaurant. When you drive, yeah, when you drive down the street, you see the closed signs or the open you're hiring. You can't get a parking spot. Correct. Because the restaurant is outside. Correct. So they're naturally more visible just by nature of their business versus a good portion of our industry are with people who are working out of either their home or a private office. They don't have the big billboards and the signs. And like you said, Jen, the cars and the parking lot. So all the more reason, again, I'm going back to that 4,000 out of 40,000 travel advisors who make some sort of living, whether it be full-time or part-time, it does not matter, bring in cash to their home, only 4,000 are members to the association that actually keeps them in business in many ways. From a safe standpoint, understanding the legalities behind offering travel as a service and selling travel, to the tax implications that, uh, thank goodness for ASTA, save, to so many other things. So, it is a viable, it's a viable profession. And Jen says it best all the time when she talks about it's one industry, one voice. And right now it's a very, Jennifer is a pretty loud person. I'm a pretty loud person, but we're only two people. And then there's only the ASTA team, which are like, you can't say anything negative about the ASTA. They're amazing beyond. But we need every travel advisor who says, I am taking my profession seriously, whether you produce $50,000 a year in travel or $5 million a year. If you look at it as a profession, then you need to be part of the professional association that supports and promotes and protects you. It is Commercial done. fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where do I sign up? Right, exactly. It is fascinating to me that in very, very different conversations at different points in time, I keep kind of pushing and asking these questions and we keep going back to the same route cause of these challenges. Not all travel advisors really put on that CEO hat and really consider themselves professionals. And when we consider ourselves professionals and we acknowledge our professionalism, our expertise and the business that we are building, our business structure, whether that includes fees or not, suddenly becomes, it is what it is. It suddenly becomes a no brainer. It's not something that we're tossing and turning, losing sleep over. Suddenly when we're talking about talking with clients about the value that we bring to the table, it's no longer about the breakfast and the, and the potential, you know, chocolate covered strawberries waiting in the room with you. And then consequentially, when we talk about Asta, I'm no longer coming to you saying, well, what do I get for free? Right. Or what do I get a discount on? I'm ask, I'm I'm actually trying to understand how they are advocating for me and what the, the what the result of that is. So it's really fascinating to me that in very different conversations we keep going back to the same. Well, do you consider yourself a professional? Are you the CEO of your travel business? Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. And if you're passionate about this industry, which people, if you join travel and you stay in travel, you have the travel bug. So they're oh. clearly passionate. I don't understand why they wouldn't be passionate about ASTA. And in a perfect world, there would be a campaign. What's 
has to have done for me during the pandemic. And it's going to probably be launched as the Advocacy Day Facebook Live in October. But we need this from the individual solo entrepreneur, like Jen said, and we need this from the TMC side. It's not one size fits all. We need everybody, if not someone else's problem to solve. Right. Okay. So because we don't have very much excitement or passion in this conversation, (laughs) (laughs) just just kidding, just kidding. Jen, I'm going to ask you first. Both of you have a very interesting journey into how you got involved with ASTA, how long you've been involved, how that involvement and engagement progressed over the years until today. So Jen, what excites you most about ASTA today? Is it the SAVE Act that you've both mentioned or is are there other things going on that you're really, really excited about? For me, it, it wasn't the, the PPPs and the SAVE Acts and stuff. And again, I'm in a different world than Jen. I think it's mostly the elevation of the professionalism of the profession, the elevation of the profession. This is an entrepreneurial generated it's, it's passionate, proactive individuals that are trying to make money doing what they love to do. And so I think I'm most excited about the escalation of professionalism, that kind of route. How can we attract more small business owners like yourself, Whitney, right, who chose travel as the, the launching ground for your business? How do we attract more Whitney's out there? And how do we help elevate those that are out there by themselves, thinking they're by themselves booking travel and transform this into building a business, a travel business? Because when Jennifer's mom launched Valerie Wilson Travel, and when Jennifer and her sister kept growing Valerie Wilson Travel, there were brick and mortars out there visible. There was a it was a different travel industry. And then when that kind of changed because of the airlines, you you found a reach people who could make it happen and pivoted at the time, did it. And and now we're going through another version of it. The next version is, and I always say this, no one's gonna live forever. These people are gonna die eventually. Not you, Jen. I know you're gonna be around for a long time, but what is the next rendition of our industry? And I want it to be built off of professionalism, taking this as a business-minded profession, not as booking travel. And I love traveling, so therefore I want to make money selling travel. That's not what this is. Boy, that's a long answer. I can't say anything short, I've noticed. And I'm on Fox all the time, and I can talk in snippets. I can't do it with you. You're in good company. I can't answer any questions (laughs) succinctly. That's okay. Okay, Jennifer, all of three of our involvement in NASA is very different. I'm very much on like the individual advisor level. And so when I look at what I'm most excited about, you know, the advocacy efforts from ASTA, my answer is probably a lot different than what yours would be, you know, running an agency. So is there, maybe not actually, I'm interested to hear your answer. So in recent months, like very recently, let's say in the last three, four, six months maximum, what advocacy efforts have not only excited you the most, but which efforts have impacted you and your agency the most? And I want to hear your answer because the IC model, the single entrepreneur is the fastest growing category for membership and asset because there is so much consolidation going on the TMC, the host and the consortium side. For me, it, the exciting thing comes down to change. We actually can make change. As Americans, as travelers, as human beings, I think we are so tired and frustrated, and this is not a political comment, about Washington and nothing getting achieved. I am so proud that on Ledge Day, a maritime law going back to 1836 was overturned. Yep. So change is possible. And we have to believe change is possible. It's not just pushing that rock up the hill. 
So I would say, did we actually show the benefit of an 1836 maritime law versus today? I'm not sure that was the actual reason something got changed. I think it was having several hundred travel advisors in person and via Zoom educate their elected officials that there is nothing else that we use on a day-to-day -day basis for business that goes back to the 1830s that's in place. And this, this was arcane and this made no sense. And we can't solve this one, and I don't mean little to, to minimize it, this one specific thing without overturning that. And very luckily, very fortunately, very passionately, the day after Ledge Day, the Maritime Act was changed. And we so have to take full me, credit for that, Jen. We have to take full credit, all of us that came to Ledge Day and everything Asta did prior. True. <laughs> I'm definitely a glasses half full kind of girl. But what I would say is it can be frustrating and defeating to watch the news and believe nothing's going to change. What we need to do is tell the story that Asta has consistently been making change. Yes, for the last couple of years that ancillary fees are now fully transparent on websites for consumers. Yes, that we're not on the blacklist. Again, something dated back to the 1930s, which we got overturned with a bipartisan, bipartisan bill on the Hill. There are very few of those. So I'm proud of that. But to know that the Maritime Law of 1836 was, was overturned is huge. The change is possible would be my big message. But unless we speak up, we're not going to be included. We're not going to, we didn't want to have been included in PPP1 had JLMB, the former national chair of the national board testified in front of Congress. We wouldn't have been successful in being able to collect ERTCs or have our 1099 independent contractors actually collect unemployment had we not been visible. So this impacts everybody and simple answer change is possible. And I would say, Jennifer said this a couple of times already, but it's super important to reiterate. It is our story that they relate to. It is the story that they heard. On Ledge Day, I had Vicki Freed and the Royal Caribbean brand with me for the Florida team. And we basically just said to him, look, this Alaska thing, this maritime thing, you got to change it like today. Like today, when we get Yesterday. done talking, <laughs> it has to happen today because Vicki said, yes, because it's going to take us five weeks to be able to put the ships back in, in the water and be able to do all the itinerary changes. And then we're only going to have eight weeks of sailing available. It has to happen today. And so she shared the full story versus it being, it's a nice to have, can you chat about it next time you all get together? It was no, like when we get done, you need to change this. And all things came together for sure. The stars aligned, but the story plays a role and we all have a story. Definitely. And I think that that access at Ledge Day that you've mentioned quite a few times, I think that's actually what excites me most as an individual advisor, because the industry is big, but it's also small, right? And as one individual human, sometimes it feels like does it really matter if I donate a hundred dollars or does it really matter? You know, like it's very easy to kind of have these thoughts running through my head. And when I learned about ledge days, like, oh, I can actually go to Washington DC. I can actually participate in this. And not only am I just there kind of participating, if I've understood correctly, you're going to put me in front of my state representatives to speak yep. to and actually tell my story educate. to educate. Yes. That actually excites me more than than anything else at the moment because it actually makes me feel like what I do could make an impact. 
It does. So as an individual advisor, that's that's what excites me most right now is going to let so you. So I hope you block your Outlook calendar for uh, June 21 and 22. Calendar is blocked. Good. Yes. I'm coming. And embarrassed to admit this, I've never been to Washington, D.C. Really? Embarrassed? I don't, I, I've said to so many people, like, I don't know why my high school didn't take me. That feels like that's a high school trip that everyone does. <laughs> But we, no, I've, I've I've been all over the world as a travel advisor. We all have, but I, this will be my first time to DC. Well, I look forward to welcoming you there. <laughs> I'm very excited. So, okay. For advisors who are already members of ASTA and who are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We engage, we donate. What's the next step? What would you encourage the individual advisor to do if they're, they're already members, they're already donating, you know, maybe they attended the ASTA Global Convention in Chicago. Maybe they've already gone through some of the trainings that ASTA provides, which are really great, I will say. What would you advise that should be their next step? I've got an answer. Jennifer, you go first, babe. Up your game. Whether you gave 50 bucks, make it 100. If you gave 100, give 1,000. If you gave 1,000, take it to the next level. And it's peer-to-peer pressure. Peer-to-peer ask would be one. And I, I am actually speechless, which is really hard for me. When at advocacy dinner, we had Caribbean donate 100000 And then we had Richard Fain match it personally with $100,000. We had huge support from Matthew Upchurch and Virtuoso and Alex Sharp and Signature and Roger Block and Jackie Friedman with Nexian and Travel Leaders Group. But we can't expect those huge donations to come in every time. It's a grassroots effort. That is critically important. So whatever you gave, I know money's tight. I know you look at your charitable giving in different ways. You have to double down on your trade association. That'd be one. Two, we all want and need to constantly learn. So expand your network. If you're not part of your local chapter, your city chapter, your state chapter, your regional chapter, get involved. Look on the ASTA website and find out one of the events going on and sign up. So it's time, talent, and resources. Uh-huh. And I would say a lot of t- a lot of people don't realize you could just donate on a monthly basis. That's what I've done. So I donate a hundred dollars a month. I just set myself up on a monthly charge. If you don't, if you do two hundred dollars and you can't afford four hundred right off the bat, then just go to some sort of monthly thing. Number one, number two, challenge yourself to get five of your fellow advisors to join ASTA and or donate. And then anytime, if you're an ASTA member already, you receive that email that says "click here." And tell your representative that you are supporting whatever it is that we've sent you. Click there and then also forward that to every (laughs) single person in and out of the industry so that we can get thousands and thousands of emails flooding our legislators inbox all about the same. It literally, it's not even two seconds unless you have a bad internet connection. It's literally two seconds. All the work is there for you. (laughs) Or if you actually want to tell your own story and add a little more, you can do that as well. Sure. I'm really happy that you mentioned that because that is another one of the things that, of course, just laying it all out there here is running through my mind of like, does it really matter if I click here and send the email? And go listen to the conversation with Genevieve because when I was talking with her, I was like, oh, it matters a lot if I send that email. Like basically sending that email is giving like a high five to Genevieve as she walks in to, you know, have that conversation. So just think about it that way. Yep. Absolutely love it because I believe we had about 160,000 unique entrants to the portal this year. Before that, 2,500, 3,500. So it makes a difference. And 
Jen, one of, I know one of your favorite topics is profitability and looking at all of the ways that we support our business. And when I'm thinking about donating to Asta and setting it up on like a monthly subscription or a monthly payment, I'm just thinking of it as my way to support my business and reinvesting back into my business and supporting the organizations that are advocating for me. So I don't want to say that it's a business expense, but it is something that in our profitability and in our the the health of our business, that's a monthly or a quarterly or an annual contribution that should absolutely be considered in those numbers. Yes, exactly. And you can think about use as one and pack as the other. And they're different budget line item expenses. Traditionally, one can be paid by a corporation and the other needs to be paid more personally. But there is okay. more education on that you can find on ask.org under advocacy. Amazing. So I feel like this answer might be the same, but just in case it's not, I'm going to ask it. For advisors who are not yet members, obviously joining and donating is going to be the first to do items on their list. What would you recommend that they do first? And I would say, what's the smallest, most impactful way a brand new advisor joining ASTA can really make a difference from the very beginning? I was just going to say here at TPI in 2022, we are going to require ASTA membership for anybody new to the industry for the first year. Okay, We're going to require it. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to set the tone right from the get-go. We already require training, going to travel and training, whatever the training is, we want to set that precedent right for me. You are new to the industry. This is a profession. This is the association that you belong to. So I would say what you should do is look in the mirror and say, do I consider myself a professional? Do I consider myself good at what I do? Am I serving my community well with the products and with the service that I provide? If that is the case, then I have to be part of the trade association that supports me as a professional. And it just elevates you, quite frankly. It just elevates you in your own eyes, as well as in your consumer and prospect's eyes. I agree completely with Jen, but I would add two things that are really simple to do. And people can do right now before they even finish listening this podcast and it's subscribed to Ask the Daily Advisor. It is a resource when I have new hires or new to the industry. I always give them like a reading list that explains why I was a history major with a poli sci minor decades ago. But you're the same way you're going to listen and read Luxury Travel Advisor, Travel Weekly, Travel Agent, Business Travel News, whatever. We have a whole sort of list of required reading. You should subscribe to Ask the Daily Advisor like now before you finish listening to it. It's so good. Second is you should go bookmark asta.org. And when you're on hold, and hopefully you're not with a supplier or a client, you can refresh and you can see what's new there. Love it. Okay, so Jen, because I love to challenge you while we're recording. Mm -hmm. She does it every single time, every time. Go ahead. And she loves it. That's why she keeps coming back on. (laughs) I really love that you are requiring ASTA membership for new advisors joining. And maybe you don't have the answers to this yet, as this is going to be a new initiative, but is it going to be a requirement of one year? And then after that, they kind of decide, I guess my, my, my real question is what happens behind the scenes to really support that membership so that they, it's not just a fee that they're paying because they have to, but that they actually it really encourages being active and getting engaged. Sure, sure. So it's going to be a requirement prior to them joining TPI is how we're positioning it versus building it into the fees because the intent is that 
we're saying we really only at TPI want those that are looking at this as a business and part of your business expense is being part of your trade association. Listen, if you come to the table already going, okay, good, they're requiring this, they're requiring this, I've done this, I've done, you've already come to the table with the right attitude. So therefore your Mm -hmm. lens is going to change. You know how I feel about that. Your own personal mindset is what determines whether or not there's no Mm -hmm. other plans outside of that besides the fact that we freaking talk about ASTA until I'm blue in the face. Everybody knows Jen Lee is a major (laughs) ASTA supporter. They know it, you know, super fan, super fan, super committed at every event. I'm constantly talking about ASTA and TBI as well. Yes. No, I, I really appreciate that because it is something that I heard a lot about from the beginning, but I didn't ever, I don't want to say forced, but it wasn't a requirement for me to join. And I feel like I really appreciate that you separate it from the fees at TPI. And it's actually like, no, you need to go register yourself. You need to go find the website. And then, you know, and then as Jennifer said, bookmark it, sign up for the newsletter. And that almost kind of leads them to just kind of get a little bit more engaged from the beginning. And I really love that approach. I think I'll look forward to checking in yeah. next year, I suppose, and seeing how you feel. It's part, um, it's part of the, the results. It's part of, that. of the infinite game. Instead of saying that our focus is try to bring on as many advisors as possible. And trust me, we have 4,200 advisors across the country. It's the infinite game, which is goes back to the ultimate goal, which is to make this a viable profession and make it so viable that people are dying to be part of it and are going to study and do what they need to so they become a better advisor for and a better agency owner for the longevity of the industry. I mean, I have a very big concern that if we don't do this right, we are not going to have as viable as an industry as what Jennifer and her mom started and so many people that are listening to this. This is our personal responsibility to make sure we're attracting people who have a business mindset and a passion for the industry. Off my soapbox, sorry. On that (laughs) beautiful, beautiful soapbox, I want to thank you both just for your passion for the industry, but also for Asta and for being such super fans. Every time I talk about this, whether with you both or with anyone else, I learn more about Asta and I'm more excited about the possibility of getting involved and having it be a bigger pillar, you know, to hold the professionalism of my business up. So thank you very, very much. I'm so happy to have you both here and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you as always for your willingness and for your enthusiasm to be a part of the conversation. Thanks so much and hope to see you on Facebook Advocacy Awareness Day, October 19th. Yes, October 19th. Great. Perfect. We'll be there and then at Ledge Day in DC. And then at Ledge Day. Absolutely. Thank Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you loved today's conversation as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who is ready to level up their travel business. If you want more, head over to community.mastersintravel.co. When joining our community, you'll gain access to our free resource library for travel advisors. You can apply to be a mentor or a student in the Masters in Travel Academy and Apprenticeship Program, and you'll be the first to know about courses and workshops created for travel advisors by travel advisors. If you're ready to accelerate the success of your travel business, you can also join our private community and think tank where we collaborate, strategize, and ideate together with advisors working towards similar goals and tackling similar challenges. Learn more and join the conversation at community.mastersintravel.co. To continue the conversation, find us on Instagram at Masters in Travel, where we preview upcoming episodes and engage with our listeners to decide what topics to cover next. We'll see you next time.